Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The uh, the Nanos poll, let me just look at a couple of numbers, give you a couple of numbers here. 73% of Canadians either agree or somewhat agree that climate change represents a significant threat to our economic future. Sentiment strongest in British Columbia, where 82% of respondents agreed. Just under 70% agreed or somewhat agreed that Canada's reputation on the global stage has been hurt by our previous approach to climate change. 72% believe that science of climate change is irrefutable, with half saying they agree, 22% saying they somewhat agree. And um, the majority of respondents, or 66%, said they support Canada going forward with new climate change targets, even if they result in significant job losses in the oil patch. About 30% disagree with that. There was a lot of response from uh, Western Canada on that point. Also, uh, when the Prime Minister says Canada is back, I don't know how that helps anyone who has a point of view that's not shared by Mr. Trudeau and the supporters of climate change. Canada's back. Where have we been? Oh, yeah. And... We have the Environment Minister, Catherine McKenna, saying that carbon reduction targets that are agreed to in Paris at this international conference sponsored by the United Nations should not be legally binding. That's also the position of the United States. So you go to Paris, they're all flying there. That's good protection, right? They're all flying there. And then any carbon reduction targets that are agreed to during these international negotiations should not be legally binding. And the Prime Minister has pledged $2.65 billion to help developing countries deal with climate change. Where's that money coming from? And who's it going to? But where's the money coming from? Do we have it in the bank account, or is, are we going to overdraft? Is that money? I just want to know, is that money that, that the Prime Minister said he was going to borrow, $30 billion he was going to borrow to help Canada's infrastructure? Where is $2.65 billion coming from? That is not an insignificant amount of money. Dr. Patrick Moore joins us on his way to Paris, as he'll attend the COP21 conference. He's the co-founder of Greenpeace, former president of Greenpeace Canada, although he's part of company with Greenpeace, and challenges the global warming climate change mantra of the United Nations. His company now is EcoSense, and he's the author of Confessions of a Greenpeace Dropout. Patrick Moore joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Patrick, where to begin? The Prime Minister says Canada is back. Why don't we start with that? What do you say? Well, I say we've always been here, um, and I don't really think there's going to be a great deal of difference going forward except for this thing that's happened in Alberta. Uh, the Easterners will continue to drive their millions of automobiles every day, and uh, life will go on for them. And, and it seems from the poll that they don't care how many people lose their jobs in Alberta. Now we've got Alberta with a socialist premier who is, uh, on the one hand, going to penalize the oil companies heavily uh, with carbon tax, and at the same time refuse to let the industry grow. Uh, the industry is hoping that the trade-off is they'll get some pipelines in the end. But I don't think Premier Notley actually has the power to 
deliver that. And the opposition to the oil sands and these pipelines, which began many years ago in the Rockefeller Brothers' offices in uh, New York City and has spread to include about 20 major U.S. foundations who are funneling money into Canada to stop the oil sands, you know, their fracking oil business is taking off in the United States. There's no restrictions on it. There's no restrictions on pipelines in the U.S. Their oil fracking business is going gangbusters. There's a couple of states with moratoriums, but by and large, the United States is now the biggest oil and gas producer in the world once again, and as a country, and uh, they are financing the destruction of our own oil industry here in Canada, which makes them more competitive. You know there's a plan for the U.S. to open up exporting oil overseas, which has been illegal for many, many decades in the States, and that may come to pass. And uh, you never know, they might get a pipeline delivering oil to tankers to go to China before we do. So, Patrick, who's driving this this particular agenda? Because, well, you, the, you know, the, the you, know climate, that if, you know that if you if you argue against climate change, you're going to be described as somebody who doesn't care that you have an anti-environment pro-fossil fuel agenda. Well, who, who's driving this and how credible is the opposition to the climate change argument? Well, the, the climate change argument is false, absolutely and totally false. Uh, for the last 20 years, there's been no significant increase in warming, even according to the UK Met Office, which brought us climate gates. So they're on the side of the warmest, but they have to admit, because the numbers say so, that the, the warming stopped increasing as it did from 1970 to the year 2000 when all this hullabaloo started. So we're not in any trouble. As if the Earth's climate has never gone through warming periods in the past, this warming period that we're in now actually began 300 years ago uh, at the peak of the Little Ice Age when the temperature stopped, stopped going down and started coming up again. The Little Ice Age was a very nasty time in northern climates in Europe. Uh, starvation occurred in many countries because they had short growing seasons and snap frosts that killed crops. And we could be going back into the same thing again uh, over the next 300 years. We just don't know whether it's going to start going up again or stay even for a long time or start to go down. And many people, including all the Russian astrophysicists who actually don't buy into the, the Russian scientific community, does not buy into this Western climate change hysteria. They believe the sun controls the climate. Uh, there's many good reasons to agree with that if, you, if you're familiar with all the literature, which I am. And there's no good reason to believe, uh, with regard to the historical record, that CO2 controls the Earth's climate or the temperature of the atmosphere or the oceans. No good reason to believe that whatsoever. So I'm going to Paris to try to put some sense into this thing, but it's very difficult because... What's driving it, Roy, is a powerful convergence of interests among key elites in particularly Western society. The Chinese and the Indians, for example, they play along because they don't want to be in our bad books. So they just play along and continue to build coal plants all the while, while the West, Europe and the U.S. in particular, and now Canada, has joined into this self-defeating, destructive economic process. Uh, we're, we're doing all the heavy lifting here. Well, they are pretty much laughing behind our backs, and the Russians are just saying it's a lot of BS anyways, and they see it as a climate change argument as a plot to destroy their oil and gas industry, and I understand why they see it that way.
They if nothing, if nothing, smarter than we Patrick, are if, politically. if nothing is done, nothing bad happens? Actually, a lot of good things are happening with the present situation. What has happened here is the most important food for all life on Earth, which is carbon dioxide, has been demonized and turned into the devil. This is the worst thing that has happened to science and politics since the Inquisition. There, and, and that wasn't global. That was just in the Spanish world, in the Catholic world. Uh, but the, the, the Inquisition uh, was a complete bastardization of science, and that is what is happening here. No person who is actually a scientist who understands the scientific method of experimentation and observation and replication of results would ever say that the science is settled on climate change or that the debate is over and that the people who have a different opinion are deniers as if they are denying the history of the Holocaust when in fact what they are skeptical of is the future of the climate. And predictions are not the same as history. History we know happened. Sometimes it gets a lot of revisionism in it, like the, like the hockey stick of Michael Mann, where he actually revised the historical temperature record to make it look like we were causing the warmest temperature in the history of the world. When in fact, we've been in a 50 million year cooling trend on this earth. This is one of the coldest periods in the history of earth, the Pleistocene ice age that we are in now. Thankfully, we're in an interglacial period, but they tend to be short compared to the long glaciation periods that have occurred many times over the past two and a half million years. We have this history. We don't know the future. What we would suspect if the future goes according to recent history is that soon we will begin to gradually go back into another glaciation period unless our CO2 staves it off, which it doesn't look like it's going to do. It doesn't actually look like CO2 has much or any influence on global temperature, whereas the solar cycles are probably what's doing the back and forth between glaciation and interglacial period. Final question for you. If um, the United Nations objective of raising $100 billion annually by 2020 for the climate fund, where is that money going? But if they... I I bet we'll never find out. uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But if if they do get that money, where... What 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 changes? What, what, uh, let me rephrase this. What's a sensible way to properly and responsibly steward the environment? Just fundamentally, what's the right way to go about this? To focus on real pollution, particularly in the developing countries, we've more or less addressed air pollution and water pollution and ground pollution to a large extent in the wealthy Western countries because we've got enough money to do it. Poverty is the worst environmental problem because when people cut down trees, they don't have any money to plant new ones. When they make the water and air dirty, they don't have the technology to to make it clean again or to clean it while it's being emitted, as we do with all of our plants here. So, and, And there's, you know, a billion people without electricity in this world. People are still using dung as fuel inside mud huts. We should be working to bring these people up so they can afford also to have a high standard of environmental practice like we do. They have got so many things backwards that it is unbelievable that the general public in large droves falls for it. But I guess that's the way history has been. Uh, The emperor has no clothes, but everybody still follows them along. And in this case, we have a more or less global situation where power is being taken away from everybody and people at the top. I bet you half that 50 
billion dollars a year goes to UN bureaucracies, and the other half goes to rich potentates in some country that doesn't even have a democracy. Uh, that I would like to see the plan for transparency of this money, but I don't see one. Uh, it just goes to the UN, and then they decide mm. what to do with it. Well, you're in uh, you're, you're in uh, in Vancouver, and North yeah. Vancouver actually has climate change warning stickers on gas pumps now, right? They're bringing them in, yes, and uh, of course this will be a huge uh, boost to saving the earth. Uh, no, but I have an idea, Patrick. I have an you know, idea. You know how many people? You know how many people are going to not fill their car with gasoline zero. when they see the warning sign? Zero. Zero. Absolutely zero. So what I say should happen is there should be a guy with a clipboard for everybody who comes into a gas station and ask them point blank, are you in favor of transporting fuel from the oil wells by pipeline and tanker truck to this gas station so you can fill up your car? And if they say no, they should be refused service. Simple as that. There's an entire industry waiting to happen. Stickers for products which contain oil byproducts. Yeah, well, it's going to. There's be an entire of, industry waiting. <laughs> There's billions to be made. Yes, there are billions to be made, and billions are being made. The climate uh, corporation in the world today, all of them put together, is about a trillion dollars a year. It's getting to be at that level now, and you know Bjorn Lomberg, who's a very smart guy, has He's been on the show. Analysis. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and he's done an analysis showing that if every country did meet the pledges they're taking to Paris, which is all a bunch of window dressing to begin with, you know, like 50% reduction in fossil fuel use right. by 2050, right? Uh, but if, if everybody met their pledges, it would, even if you believe in the, the fact that CO2 warms the climate, it would result in a change of 0.17 degrees Celsius in the global climate in return for completely destroying the entire economy and probably having hundreds of millions of people homeless and in the streets because they don't have any energy. It is the no. most ridiculous scenario that's ever been proposed by a body of world leaders in the history of humanity, I would say. Patrick, I thank you for the time. Thanks. Dr. Dr. Lomborg talked about the $11 liter of gasoline, but we won't go there right now. Thank you very much for the time. I'm going to buy it. I'll buy it. I'm sure you will. There'll be a sticker on the pump. <laughs> Dr. Thanks, Patrick Roy. Moore, ecosense.me. Uh, it's a Roy Green Show on the Coros Radio Network.